It is time for our Thanksgiving episode of the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. That guy looks like Lars Fredrickson from Rancid because it is. What's up, Lars? Just hanging out, getting ready for these holidays. You know what I'm saying? And and we got we got a guest who's actually wrestling Thanksgiving night. It's going to be a big fucking deal for him, you know? So I'm just stoked to be here. Um, life is great. How about you, Dennis? How was your week? It's good. I am no longer the officially most buff guy on the podcast this week, which uh, breaks my heart. <laughs> I It's a close second, by the way. And by close, I mean not even close. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> Our guest this week is a guy we talked about last week, and we talked a lot off air with Court Bauer, and I wish the fans could hear what we were saying about you, Alex. We'll introduce you here in a second, so just pretend to be interested in our banter. But uh, some great talk. Uh, A story we were just relaying off the air was uh, after the podcast, I get a text from you, and it's a picture of of Alexander Hammerstone's autograph. And you're like, my son just got, or not just, but this is the one picture wrestler my son wanted an autograph from. And I actually took that picture, sent it to court and said, holy cow, this is going to be a great interview this week. So Alexander Hammerstone, world champion, by the way. Thank you. So where's the belt? You didn't wear the belt for the podcast? You know, I was wearing it in the shower earlier. Um <laughs> But uh, <laughs> Bush League, I, Alex. I, I, ju- I just, I just took it off. That's Bush League. I, I tell you, one of he these puts days, it, he keeps it, he keeps it in the fridge to keep it nice and cold. Oh well, That's I mean, right. see, we got a true professional. He knows, he knows what's up. <laughs> I will say before we start bombarding you with questions, I became familiar with you through Dimitri Young, who used to do the podcast with us, baseball player, and uh, he, he's massive fan of yours. Uh, I think it was 2017 into 2017 when he introduced me to your stuff. Then I became really familiar with you because I follow you on Facebook and more so from you playing the guitar than from your wrestling, which is interesting for me because now I, I you're on with the man here and me. So I, I, I'm torn between so many music questions and wrestling questions, but I'm going to steal a question that uh, early in the podcast, Lars had said something offhandedly of, and I've never asked anybody this, but I'm going to steal it from Lars. Are you a musician that plays wrestler? Or are you a wrestler that plays musician? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I mean, if we're if we're playing by the timeline here, I played music for several years before I ever stepped foot in a wrestling ring. But the flip side of that is maybe I was a fan of wrestling before I was really a fan of music, you know, so who's to say, but you know, these worlds are so much more related and there's so much more crossover than I think a lot of people realize. And that's like the musician aspect to what I was doing before I got into wrestling was such a prerequisite for me being successful at a much faster rate. And uh, so a lot of people don't realize that like, so am I one or the other? Which one more than the other? Man, there, there's so much overlap and uh, intertwine there. It, I, I can't really give you a straight answer. And I think that's a fair assessment, honestly, um, Hammer. You know, because as you said, the, the lives are very parallel. I mean, they're physical jobs, right? I mean, they're not as physical. I mean, 
musicians are probably up there on the stage longer than a wrestler is in a match, but you're doing that's the same amount of energy. It's the same amount of passion that goes into it. It's also the similar fucking paydays when you're first starting too. So it's like, you know, and you got to get out there and earn your stripes. I guess for me, my first question of the night would be, it's like, you know, you started on the indie circuit, you had the few trials with the WWE, and then all of a sudden, you know, it seems like you found your niche with 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 MLW, and now you now you're representing them as their heavyweight champ. Um, do you feel like, you know, you, are you looking at the wrestling landscape a little differently now that you're holding a prestigious belt? Um, what what I mean by that is 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 it is it time to relax, or you are you are you ready to keep keep pushing? Uh, you know, I think it's it's never time to relax. The second you relax, someone's looking over your shoulder, you know, to take your spot. Um, but beyond that, you know, I want to continue climbing um, in this industry. There's, I'm at a really good spot. I'm doing a lot of really cool things, um, you know, but when it's all said and done, like, you know, there, you don't get a long, you don't get a long time frame to make, make shit happen in this business. So, you know, I'm trying to make the most of it right now. And Although I, as I've gotten older, I'm trying to be better about taking a breath, stopping and smelling the roses, putting my feet up every once in a while and relaxing. Um, it, it doesn't stop. I, I, I'm not looking at it. I am looking at it at, like differently as far as um, my perspective, but not in the sense that I'm relaxing and it's like, oh, I've made it, you know, because um, there's still a lot more to do. There's still a lot more to climb up i think my only like perspective change is that you know i now i am with a company who has put a lot of time effort money into me um i'm in a kind of a prestigious position that a lot of people would like to be in so now you know i make these decisions i'm not just representing myself you know it, it's become bigger than that so now i've got this company and uh you know, the unique thing with like MLW, what's kind of cool about it is some people might be like, oh, you know, well, don't you want to be with this company or that company that's bigger, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend MLW is just as big as WWE right now. Um, and, you know, you could see that as the negative side of things you say, oh, you don't have quite as much outreach or you don't make quite as much money. But the positive aspect to that is now it gives me an opportunity to help lead this brand. So now it's like, now, as we take these new footsteps and grow into these new markets and make these new pushes, um, I'm kind of like leading that charge. And there's like, it it helps me stay hungry because there's a lot of work that we can do, um, not only as an individual, but as a company. Do you, now that you are one of the, the, the few that call yourself a world champion on a major television show, do you compare your title run to other champions on other shows or while you're doing this run? Do you, do you kind of use that as like a, a motivation to try to elevate yourself? Like, all right, 10 pounds of gold is a 10 pounds of gold, but I, I am, my run is better than his, or I, I need to do this to bring myself up above him. If there was a champion ranking, yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be an aspect of that, um, not from whether it's just your own ego or if it's, you know, more of like the mindset of, you know, continuing to up your game um, and keep yourself on your toes. Um, you know, but that being said, like I made it a point to take the MLW World Championship and 
you know, um, I took it to Australia. I took it to England. I took it to Mexico. Um, I took it to, you know, I've been to Japan. I'm trying to get back over there maybe by the end of this year or sometime next year. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to make this world championship the most traveled championship. I'm pretty sure I did that for this year out of all the major companies. So, you know, little achievements like that, you know, is, is a nice little, um, like nice little feather in the cap, um, but you can't help but look around and see what other people are doing and see what kind of the industry standard is. And if nothing else, like just the quality of the product and the quality of the matches, you know, is, um, is something that's held to a higher standard because if if you have a kind of dumpy match and you're somewhere in the mid card people will brush it off but if you're if everyone's saying this guy's the main event he's the world champion here's the main event we've been building up for three months and the match shits the bed now everyone's looking at you with extra scrutiny so it's like um it's a cool role to be in but there's all that um there's that extra pressure as well well you know I, I want to go back a little bit further and talk about your sort of your upbringing with professional wrestling as far as how you were exposed to it. Am I correct that you grew up in the southwest of the United States? Yeah, that is correct. Okay, so Arizona? Yep, Arizona, okay. born and raised. So what were you exposed to? Because, that, you know, being from California and living in California in the Bay Area, I got exposed to Lucha, I got exposed to... American style wrestling. I got Japanese style. I got all these, you know, sort of different styles kind of came into my living room, um, mm -hmm. you know, either via tape trading or, you know, TV shows. Uh, and now with the Azteca, you know, stuff that's happening that you guys are doing, it's like there's a very big Lucha influence there too. So my question to you, I guess, is is what what did you first see and what really caught your eye? What kind of wrestling? The um so growing up, you know, I I, uh, I was pretty on the the poor side. So it's not like we were going to live events or anything, even local like live indie stuff. I didn't even know what indie wrestling was. You know, the only wrestling I had seen was the WWE. Um, and to top that off, I could only watch what was on Access Television. So we were staying up till like midnight on Saturday night to watch you know, shotgun Saturday night or Sunday night heat or whatever was kind of like the B show. Um, until I remember when SmackDown finally got on UPN, it was like the coolest thing in the world. Cause we could finally watch, you know, the main stuff. Um, but that was all I had seen. And then even when I first, um, found a, a training school, I remember they started talking, they started talking about all these companies that like, I had kind of like heard you know, they oh, Ring of Honor. And I'm like, I didn't know what that was. Um, and I remember all the kids at the school were kind of like, man, you really need to, you need to broaden your horizons. Um, but that being said, my original trainer was a luchador. And so he starts training me and he's got all this lucha um, flair and kind of inspiration in the way he does things. And I'm, I'm learning things with all this like uh, lucha technique that a lot of, American guys never get taught, you know, so but then by the time I went to the next school and it was a lot more, um, I'll say kind of standard American style. Um, I had already learned all this like Lucha stuff. So fast forward a couple of years, being in the Southwest, when I start really working and getting out there, um, there is a huge Lucha influence, especially in the Indies out here. There's companies everywhere. So it's like, I was, once I started working with those guys, they love working with me because they realized like, Oh, it's like, 
you big white muscle American guy, they think I'm going to just be clotheslines and whatever, but then they realize, yeah. oh, he knows how to base for these moves, you know, this stuff. And, um, you know, first, first getting that slap in the face of being re like realizing, oh, there's so much more wrestling out here and starting to dip my toes in the, that water and realize like what I was missing. It's, you know, it's kind of like music. Imagine you've only listened to rock and roll your whole life. The first time you hear jazz, it might be like strange to you, but it's going to be interesting. And it's going to make you realize, wait, what else am I missing? What else right. should I look into? You know? And that's kind of what it was like for me. And it, it sent me down all the rabbit holes. And now it's like, I've, I've looked into anything and everything I've watched everything out there and, and, uh, continue to kind of thrive off, uh, really traveling and, and picking up every style I can. This question may sound like I'm shitting on someone and I'm totally not, <laughs> but one of my pet peeves in, in wrestling is when someone from the eighties and the nineties start talking about a big guy and he's like, he doesn't know how to work like a big guy. And, and I think that that saying right there is overrated and stupid because wrestling has evolved and you being a big guy, has anybody pulled you aside to say, Hey, you're not working like a big guy. You need to do X, Y, and Z to, to represent you being a big guy. Um, you know, at times, look, like no matter, <laughs> no matter how you wrestle, there's going to be somebody that complains and no matter if you listen to this guy and do everything he says, there's the next guy's going to say, well, you missed this. You're doing this wrong. You know, so I've, I've of course gotten that. Um, that being said, I, I've always kind of tried to back up and look at the big picture and realize as to your point, wrestling has changed. Wrestling's evolved. It's not the same thing. Um, you can't get away working like a big guy from the eighties. People, people aren't going to be entertained by it. That being said, um, I try to pick and choose what are the most important elements of that. Cause I love classic wrestling. Like when I got into wrestling, I wasn't just like, like one of the biggest things for me was thinking about my theme music and what my gear was going to look like and my presentation, my entrance. Cause I was captivated by the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan and all these, you know, Lex Luger, all these guys, you know? So it's like, I always tried to, objectively step back and think what is the most important part of wrestling like a big man and what needs to evolve and i've tried to balance that as best i can because i know like as much as wrestling has evolved i still watch certain big guys who do all this crazy crap and i'm like you're an idiot <laughs> you know um you're doing it wrong um and then i also watch big guys who think oh, i'm big and jack so i can get a get away with doing nothing and and just, you know, clubbing guys. And I'm like, you are also wrong. I think, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, obviously, I'm not saying I've got the formula figured out, but I've got the formula figured out for what works for me. Um, so as much as I've heard that from time to time, um, I've never tried to be so insulting that I'm, you know, just doing, you know, lucha rolls and front flips and moonsaults, you know, all, all the time or anything like that. Um, not that I'm athletic enough to pull it off if I wanted to. I, I just try to keep a little bit of interesting flair while keeping the, the core identity of kind of big man alive. Uh, do you feel like that today in today's world where you have this uh, ability to kind of go to Japan 
And by, by, with, you know, even though you're working with MLW, you're their champion, you can go out to these independents or go, like you said, all over the world uh, representing Major League Wrestling. Do you feel like that, that freedom to be able to go out and, and to wrestle others in different environments, is that experience like something that is, is uh, what, what, maybe what you thought like the territories would have been like? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and it's really gotten so much better in the last, you know, 10 years because um, I think with, with social media became like the rise of the independence. Like it used to be like there wasn't, right now there's like 10 or 12 independent wrestling companies across the country that will routinely draw hundreds, if not over a thousand people. And that, um, that wasn't really a thing, you know, a, yeah. a decade ago, there, it was very limited, like who was actually bringing in those big crowds. Um, so we are kind of back at a point where it's kind of like the territories. And as to your point, we have a lot of guys these days, whether it's with impact with AW or with MLW who, although they're under contract, part of that contract, although there might be some limitations, it allows them to work with other companies. Um, so it very much is kind of like that old territory, you know, uh, way of doing things from back, from back in the day. Um, and so, yeah, like, especially for me for the last couple of years, like getting to go out and there's times in my life where I'm just like home for just a day or two, then back out, then home for just a day or two, then back out or on a bus for, you know, a couple of weeks at a time. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's draining, it's exhausting, but it's, it's incredible too, you know, because um, it's just such a life experience, if not, you know, beyond just being a wrestling experience, you know? Early in your career, you faced, you were probably pretty lucky with the roster of guys you faced early in your career, like an Eli Drake, a Jeff Cobb, a Brian Cage. I could probably name off three or four other guys that that people that 15 years into their career would never have gotten a face. Looking back now, being a seasoned veteran, I think I can call you that at this point, you're a world champion. Are there any of those matches you wish you could revisit and, and face these guys over again, knowing what you know now? Oh, man, that's a great question, actually. I've never gotten that. That's a really good question. You know, um, if I sat and thought about it, there's got to be at least one or two because, um, you, you know, there's certain people who, like, I'll, I'll use this example. I wrestled Josh Alexander, who's currently the Impact World Champion. I wrestled him just a couple weeks ago, um, and I had a great time. It was a great match. And I kind of let him know after the match, like, hey, like, you know, I was like, I wasn't nervous for this match as far as, like, if it would be good or if the fans would like it. I just wanted to make sure I earned your respect because I respect you as a wrestler, you know, and that's kind of how I felt about it. And kind of rewinding the clock when I was a younger guy wrestling some of these guys I looked up to, I think that's what I cared about a lot more than maybe some people do is like, not is the crowd going to chant, this is awesome or holy shit, but is the guy I'm standing across from who I've looked up to for the last couple of years going to finish this match and go, okay, man, that Hammerstone kid is, he's legit. Or is he going to go, oh, well, glad that's over with, you know? And um, I'm sure if I thought harder, hard enough, I could, uh, I could come up with one or two of those matches where I'm sure the guy was just like glad it was over when we were done wrestling. Um, 
but for the most part, uh, I, I feel like I've always thrived in high pressure situations. Like, uh, when, uh, when the heat was on, that's when I'm able to perform the best. Um, so I, I know this, I know this one. I wrestled Shelton Benjamin and he was, but it must have, it was maybe like my 10th wrestling match. And I just, I don't think he understood how new and how green I was at the time. So when we start putting together this match, he's like, he's very much like, um, yeah, you know, we'll kind of feel it with the crowd and whatever they're feeling, you know, vibe out there and just kind of, you know, walk and talk. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I don't know what you mean. Like I don't know what that means. Please tell me what to do. Um, and I don't know if it was as awful as I remember it, or if it was just because I was in such a panic at the time. Um, but that match <laughs> definitely, I'm sure that he did not walk away from that impressed with me that night, um, <laughs> which is pretty excusable considering how new I was. Um, but I think that's the only glaring uh, memory that comes to mind of guys who I got in the ring with, who I left the ring feeling like, oh God, I, I've embarrassed myself. Well, you know, we've seen so many of these, the, the the talent from MLW go on and become, I mean, you know, obviously one's the new heavyweight champion for a, a completely different company and guys have gone from MLW to Japan full-time and all these other places. Is there anything in your mind that kind of goes, okay, well, they've sort of, you know, paved this way. Maybe there's an opportunity. I mean, I know that you're the champ here right now and it's it's all about right now, but do you ever think, okay, well, you know, since these guys have sort of paved this this way to go forward, you know, and to sort of, I guess, boost their careers in a sense. Um, are you ever thinking like uh, maybe not so confined in the role that you're playing right now? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'll say like, and it's hard to say this without it sounding kind of cocky and arrogant, but I've never felt like I needed these guys to pave my way. I always felt like I, I'm going to pave the way. And I, I've always felt very confident that what's going to come next to my career is going to come because that's kind of how it's unfolded for me. You know, things haven't always exactly happened just the way I wanted them to, but things always happened in a, the way that felt right. And the, I've continued to be able to climb a step of the ladder each year. Um, and if, you know, if my time with MLW comes to an end and that ladder takes me elsewhere, I've always felt like I'll be able to get wherever I need to go. Um, but to your point, the thing that, um, you know, those people do when you're, you know, when you're referencing an MJF moving on to a company and, uh, becoming a make successful, what that does is it kind of paints the picture for the people who maybe aren't watching MLW and realizing that, oh, this company's creating the stars of other companies as well. It makes them realize like, oh, we need to pay more attention. So um, it really does like, it's, it's not so much that like they're creating um, the path for me to follow, but they're showing those companies that MLW is a company to look at, if that makes right. sense. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, ab absolutely, and I I like the way you kind of phrase that. But uh, along those lines, you're 31, 32 years old in the relative world of wrestling. You're still a young guy. 
Uh, but as a champion, do you feel like there's there's a clock? Like, uh-oh, you know, I'm getting older. Uh, I need to maybe push myself more to get to whatever you feel like the next level for you is. Are you kind of going according to plan? Um, I would say I'm kind of going to according to plan, but as to your point, do I feel, do, do I realize father time is creeping up on my ass? Yes. 100%. It feels like just yesterday that I was in locker rooms and I was like the young kid with all the potential and everyone, like, you know, I'd finish a match, come to the back and people like, damn kid, you're how old are you? I'm like, Oh, 23. And they'd be like, Oh, you got the whole world ahead of you. And now when it's like, Hey, how old are you, Hammer? I'm 31. Well, you better hurry up and make your money, you know. And, and the realization, <laughs> the realization is that you know, in pro wrestling, um, you don't want to make good money. You want to make great money because when you're done, you don't want to be scrambling to find what you're going to do after this. You want to be able to put your feet up, take a sigh of relief, and and be, you know okay, I'm going to figure this out at my pace because I have started to feel my mortality. I, I know I get sore in the gym. I know travel beats me up more. I know matches beat me up more. Um, and I know that I can't do this forever. And I don't necessarily want to do this forever. Like maybe I want to have some role within the industry, but you know, I know that when I'm settling down with the family, I don't want to be on the road constantly and all these things. Um, so I do realize that um, I do have a, a ticking time clock, um, and I have a lot of big goals that I still want to accomplish and, um, a, a lot more dollar bills I want to put in the bank account. <laughs> um, but that being said, I do feel like I'm in a really great place right now. And I do feel like I'm exactly where I need to be as far as the trajectory of my career. Um, I'm in a great spot with MLW and, uh, I think, uh, we, I still, I, I, I'm still very much excited for the things I have left to do with this company. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not. I definitely don't want this interview to seem like we're trying to take you out and find you a new job. You know, no, I, of course, I'm, of course. I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of coming from a place because you got a guy like Court who believes in you and believes in you enough to make you the basically the face of the company. You have all the experience in the world. And, uh, you know, he's, he's giving you a chance to shoot your shot. Um, I guess at the end of the day for you, you know, I, I know like finances are obviously, uh, you know, something that everybody has to think about. Um, but at the end of the day, do you think where you are now, as opposed to where you were, you're sort of in the middle, let's just say, for argument's sake. Do you think having done what you've done so far, is do you feel like, that is uh, one of them. Uh, 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 is that if it ends all tomorrow, are you going to be happy? No, I, I straight up no. Now, if it got um, if it got taken away from me in an uncontrollable fashion, some kind of injury took me out. Um, I would be proud of what I did. Um, I, I would think I reached a level that a lot of guys never get to a lot of guys maybe aspire to uh but the flip side of that was if it ends in a couple years and this was my peak then i'd be like 
that's I would be horrified with myself because that would be on me. Like I, I understand the world is going to take you in twists and turns, and some of the stuff might be uncontrollable. But if if this is the peak of my career, and it's because the ball was in my hands and I didn't run with it, or when the next opportunity came, I don't capitalize. Um, I won't be okay with that. Um, I, I, there's just there's nothing like you know, being cemented in the history books. And although I've done things that are, you know, without a doubt going to be in the history books of wrestling, you know, um, I think I want to leave a, leave a bigger footprint left behind. Uh, I think there's still, you know, some of those things like, you know, uh, I'm not going to lie. Like I think every wrestle fantasizes about, you know, wrestling on the WrestleMania stage and, you know, things like that. Um, and it's like, I don't know exactly what is next for me, you know, and I, I, I'm being honest, like, I'm, I'm not trying to give you the politically correct answer. You know, I'm not trying to make my boss happy. I really don't know. Because um, as a man, it's hard to really soul search and realize like, well, would a couple extra zeros make you happy? Or do you need to be, you know, making less money, but really doing the character you believe in? Or do you want to be having the matches or does it, does it need to be something international? Uh, I've really been doing a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out what's going to check all the boxes for me, because what we see way too often in this industry is guys who you ask them, what would make you happy? And they say, Oh, I just want to, I just want to provide for my family. And then they get signed to a hundred thousand dollar contract or a 200 or $300,000 contract. And then what are they doing? They're on Twitter bitching and trying to, they're asking for their release because they're not happy. Um, and I, the last thing I want to do is end up miserable in this business. Cause I, cause I follow what I think I'm supposed to do. So I'm, I'm still very much trying to figure out exactly what the next steps forward are, but I know if it ended all right now, I'm not done. I'm not done. Did you have follow-up Lars? Yeah, I, I did. Thanks Dennis for, for, for being patient. I'm kind of glad that we went down this path. I was hoping that the, the question that I asked got you to this place because the question that I think I was gonna, what I really wanted to get to, is there a person besides court, anybody along the way, anybody that's given you the most valuable feedback? Is there somebody out there besides who you're working for right now that, that maybe said something to you, gave you a piece of advice, Gave you some uh, uh, some sort of golden nugget, you applied it, and it changed the trajectory of where you were going. Besides your oh, man, trainers, besides all that. Well, that's what we do. We ask all the hard questions, Hammer. Yeah. Um. Man, it's hard to say. Um, I've had so many influential mentors in my career. Um. But. I guess, you know, like maybe this is a, a little bit, you know, a little bit different, you know, because we're talking about something along the way, but I'll take it all the way back to what got me to finally pull the trigger on getting into wrestling. And that was talking with my dad after he had his stroke. Well, he had two mm. strokes. Um, and when he was in the hospital, he... Um, he had a very, very long recovery process. And for a couple of months, visiting him every day, he didn't even really talk because 
half of his brain was affected by the stroke. So he was bizarre. It was he was like a different person, and he would just sit there stare like he was completely cognizant, but he would just sit there staring at a TV. And I'm like visiting him in the hospital. He wouldn't even talk to me, and it was super strange. I didn't know if he was ever going to be back to normal. Um, and once he started coming, you know, started getting normal function back, um, he's talking to me and he had been a musician. He had played guitar and now he's paralyzed on the left side of his body. And he's like, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, just do it. Don't wait. Don't wait for the right time to do it. Um, and that's that at the time I wasn't in wrestling. I was like, Oh, how cool would it to be to be a wrestler? And I would like, I remember I had, I have pictures on my social media being like, I'm going to be in the WWE and I'm flexing, but I'm not doing anything to actually pursue it. And then he like told me that. And I just like, it's one thing when someone tells you advice, but it's another thing when you see like that moment has so much weight. Cause I'm watching my dad. I thought he like we thought he was gonna die. I had been visiting the hospital every day for months because we didn't think he was gonna make it through. And then one of the first serious conversations he has with me is he's telling is he's telling me like, hey, I can't even pick up a guitar if I wanted to. And that's the biggest thing I love in my life. So it's like if you have something you want, if you have something you love, go for it and don't wait for anyone to tell you it's okay. So I dropped out of college and I started wrestling. And everyone told me it wasn't okay. My mom told me it wasn't okay. My my girlfriend told me it wasn't okay my brother told me it was dumb um but like and then throughout my career i've come back to that there's been times where i felt like i needed to do something um and i'm i get a lot of kind of pushback but i still like i'm doing this because it's going to be what's right for me and um with wrestling if you're doing something that's disingenuine the fans will pick up on that it, if if something's not real, if something doesn't have emotion and believability behind it, they're gonna. It's not going to connect. It's not gonna work in the long term. It might work for a little while, but it's not gonna fucking work. So there's been times that I make a decision that maybe loses me a uh, an opportunity in the immediate future, but it ends up paying them off in the long run. And um, I can't give away, you know, any information i'm going to be very mysterious right now but i'm kind of at a point like that right now where there's some stuff happening um and i'm feeling really strongly about something and i'm getting a lot of pushback but i'm like i think i need to do this thing and i really that's going to be as as much uh information as i could give on it but I'm, i'm kind of at a point like that right now and i just think about like oh should i just give up on this battle like i'll let this one go but i'm like no, that's not what I do. What I do is if I believe in something strongly, if I know it's what's right, I fucking go for it when it's time to go for it. Um, so that was a long convoluted answer, but I, I think that's uh, that's oh, what great. set me down this path, you know? Great. You know, I, I want to change gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your music. And, you know, as we said before, you know, when we started doing this podcast a few times in the past, Lars kind of, you know, talked about either being a musician trapped in a wrestler or a wrestler trapped as a musician. Uh, I know in the past when I was doing the show with Eli Drake, he was talking about how he created his own theme music. You being a musician, uh, can you talk a little bit about how hands on you are with your theme music if you've uh, done it? 
or if you have any plans of maybe wanting to create your own theme song. You know, I, uh, I would, at this point, I think that's, I'm, I'm going to have to, cause it, I get asked about it so often. Um, that being said, um, a couple years ago, I changed the music I was used on the Indies cause I, I really went kind of overhauled my character, my presentation, my image. And part of that was my theme music. And I started using uh, a Queens of the Stone Age song called You Don't Think You You Think I Ain't Worth a Dollar, But I Feel Like a Millionaire. And it's I uh I just loved it. It it I came out to the first time and I was like, this is it, this is it. And then an MLW like uh post-pandemic, when we started coming back, court hit me up and he asked me if I wanted to if I had any ideas about maybe some new theme music. And I asked him if he could get that song and he made it happen. So now it was like my my indie music and it's also the music I use in the MLW and it's just, it felt so perfect. So now people are asking, Oh, you got to make your own music. You got to make your own theme music. And I'm like, ah, I, I, I feel like I just got this music, even though it's been a couple of years now, I feel like I just got that. And it was so perfect. Um, so I've thought about it, but I, 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 I so love what I already have. And the, and the last thing I want to do is just make some like, b version ripoff of that you know so if inspiration strikes if if one day i have a guitar in my hand and and the right melody or chords come out uh maybe we'll all start diving down that rabbit hole but as of yet uh nothing is nothing has happened i i do have maybe one or two ideas that i keep playing with that i'm like maybe this would be theme music but uh i haven't actually sat down it's it's a daunting task because that's the that's what you're going to be coming out to every time you wrestle like it's not just like a, oh this song's badass so come out to it tonight it's like no no no. when it's your music it's your music <laughs> so it's like it's a it's just a big commitment you know too bad you don't know anybody from an iconic 90s punk band that could uh, help you out with <laughs> i'm not seeing any names i mean god knows that you know well i'll just say for the record that like whatever we would come up with blow that other song out of the water no problem but yeah. um yeah i think that honestly because you are a musician and it's also another way to express yourself um for me i express myself in different ways right it's not just playing on the stage playing in bands i'm in 500 bands so i've got those outlets right but i feel like for you um you know, just to have that other avenue to express yourself, it's probably going to be more genuine than walking out to someone's version of what you think you are. Does that make sense? That so, makes 100% sense. So I, I'm curious to know which way, like wh when you do think about your theme music, is it, is it moody? Is it, is it rough? Is it uh, fast? Is it like metal is it more you know what is it like what is it for you when you're imagining okay i could i can control this no problem because not only do i have talent in the ring but i also have talent you know as a maybe as a musician what how do you envision what you would write for yourself so it's there's an element of like you know 
a four a four driving beat, you know, like because it's got to hit you. There's so many guys who come out the curtain, and like you said, you use the word moody. Moody's a really great description. They they pick something that's like moody, and it's like you know they're kind of coming out, and it's like no, no no like I'm high energy. I want that shit punching you in the chest, and you to feel like if the crowd's sitting down when my music hits, they're whoa, who's this guy? And it's like because I when I come out the curtain, I don't build up. I'm I'm already up. I come out the curtain at ten, and we're at ten. You know, and that's 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 the biggest thing for me. Like a good a good just strong like it's got to be hitting you. It's got to make you feel amped. Like what's this guy gonna do? You know, not who is this guy? I'm what kind of character is this? Like no no no, you're not thinking about that. You're just wanting. You're like this guy's coming out to kick to kick somebody's ass. You know. Well, I see, I always thought like, you know, because of your look, because of your, like, if I, okay, for instance, if you were to come with me with the idea, now this is, interview is going to take a different turn. I'm going to go more of the aspect of like ACDC and riff rap, that riff okay. for you. Cause it's high energy. It's got a steady beat and it's rock and roll. And that's what you look like to me. If you were to come out to ice cube, I'd just be like, whatever, you know, that's, <laughs> Cause that's so generic. Like anybody, yeah. everybody comes out to the hip hop now. It's like, that's the thing. There's no, you know, so for you, you look like a rock and roller, right? And you, 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 you look like a, a brick and mortar badass. Although you can do all those styles. You're like an ACDC. You're a solid backbeat. Like you're saying, you're like that guy that, you know, when ACDC starts a song, whether it's back in black, whether it's whole lot of Rosie or whatever, it's high voltage, whatever they mean business. They're there to kick your ass, right? 100%. So I'm just I'm just gonna throw that that way. But that, that was more of a statement or a or an observation. So I digress. I'm yeah. with it though. I'm with it. Too bad you don't know anybody from a band that you could like bounce <laughs> ideas you know, off of. If only I knew someone, we might be able to collaborate. You know, maybe. Well, I, you know, I think I might have the exact riff that maybe you would be looking for. Uh, and you know, I don't. Hey, I, you, I'll play it for you, but I won't play it now, but I'll play it for you. I'll send it. If you, okay, you know, we got to get on with the interview, but after the thing, we'll ch trade numbers and I'll play the riff and you tell me if you like it. All right. That sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Look at that. Making dreams come true. And it, listen, yeah, also, <laughs> if you want to change your name to Ruby Riot, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> or Ruby Soho on this podcast, that's okay too. Uh, but, <laughs> anyways, back back to the questions. Let's talk about this uh, title reign you're doing right now, and yeah. uh, how you came to find out that you were going to be the face of this company. Because this is a question that you know, Petey Williams, God bless his soul, uh, would uh, always ask this question to guys that are hold held in a belt or held one. Was when did you find out, and how did you find out? Um, so it was very interesting because, you know, pre-pandemic, I was part of this faction, the dynasty with, uh, MJF and Richard Holiday, and we were really one of the centerpieces of the show as like top heels. And once COVID shut everything down and, uh, we're just, uh, sitting at home you know i that's when i got on social media a lot more started interacting with fans a lot more um just to kind of keep people engaged keep myself entertained keep fans entertained you know i'm posting old clips i'm finding old pictures i'm posting videos playing my guitar 
And next thing you know, my engagement, my followers starts going crazy. And then, you know, I'm being a lot more candid and, you know, genuine and real with people. And, you know, we, we, uh, before that, before, you know, we had shut down and stopped wrestling, we had kind of started to lay the foundation of perhaps me and Fatu were going to cross paths. And then, um, by the time we got back to taping, we did our first tapings back court was like, you're the company's top baby face now. <laughs> like there was no, like, we didn't have to do anything on TV to make this happen. This just happened in real life. And like, by the time I came back, it was like, everybody just understood like that, that you're here now. Um, and so by the time that um, collision finally paid off, it was years and years and years. So it's like, you know, I kind of knew, um, you know, the writing was on the wall, like, all the way leading up to it but it's like wrestling's weird so you never know until you know so it's like you never know until the day of the night of the moment of inside that ring you know um as a lot of people know in the middle of that match i had a very very bad ankle injury yeah um and the match almost got stopped the the, the you know they were at they were considering stopping the match and i was fighting no no we are not stopping this so it's like i didn't even like we were down to the minute as far as like is this going to happen this night so it was i thought i knew that that's what was going to happen basically as soon as we came out and started wrestling again in 2020 but to be 100 honest i did not know until that pin was happening <laughs> Well, I mean, you've been in the ring with a lot of guys. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Fatu because I actually just saw him over the weekend at the King of Indies here in town. And uh, unfortunately, he went out with a knee injury and couldn't couldn't compete. But those injuries and in these types of things are very, very real. Um, and as you said, you found that, you know, intestinal fortitude, as they say, to carry on and 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 get through the match. Um, I guess what I what 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 I'm 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 thinking about is Thanksgiving night. You got this guy who you have a long history with. You're probably in one of the biggest heel factions with, right? Okay. And now you got to face him. A guy who thought who, who you thought was your friend, who was obviously a lot of lying and deceitfulness. How are you going to approach this match different than you would approach any other match, any other title defense? Um, so the thing with this match is it's a false count anywhere match, which lends itself to some potential added violence, some added weaponry, some added chaos. And none of that is my forte. Um, you know, I'm a inside the ring, inside the ropes type of wrestler. That's what I like to do. Um, that being said, um, I guess, uh, that's how I'm going to try to keep it until he takes it in a different direction. So if, if he wants to try to uh, up the violence, bring on the weapons, bring in the chairs, bring in the tables, throw me out of the ring, then um, I'm going to make him regret every decision. Cause whenever he tries to turn it up a notch, I'm going to turn it up two more. Um, I think uh, the best game plan is going to be uh, to try to control it the best I can the way I like to wrestle because you talk about a guy who was my best friend for a long time 
um, matches like this have a little bit of added emotion in, in them, you know, and added emotion can be a good thing or it can be a detriment. And uh, I'm going to have to do my best to keep control of that and just uh, keep my eyes on the prize. Wow. Uh, you know, I know we're going to wrap this up here in a second, and that was a kind of a great lead into what I wanted to kind of ask my last question about is when you look at the landscape of of where you've come from to where you are now, uh, your dynasty, now, you know, MJF is AEW world champion, your MLW champion. Now the other third member of the dynasty is is facing off with you from for for the championship in the grand scheme of things could you call the dynasty one of the maybe greatest or underrated factions in in the last 10 years um i think uh inarguable within mlw you have to look at it as, as one of the best things that the company ever did um, yeah. one of, cause like you said, we were centerpieces as a group and then we all branched off and had our own success as individuals. Um, but beyond that in the grand landscape of wrestling, like it's very rare to have a faction where all three guys are presented and believable as legitimate main eventers. And not only that, like, and I'm trying to say this without sounding cocky and I'm going to give the credit to the fact that there were two other people making this happen, but it was, you know, the fact that we all gelled together so well, like anything we were given as a group came out good. It was always one of the most entertaining parts of the show. And whether that was from, you know, a dastardly aspect of people getting legitimately upset or whether it was the pure comedy because we became somewhat of a, of a comedy group, but not a, not a laughing stock of the show. We weren't the butt end of a joke. We were, uh, we were providing the jokes and that was not expected. That was not planned. That was not where we were supposed to go, but we were just uh, three guys who had great chemistry together um, and three guys who had real potential as individuals. So um, I'm very, uh i'm very proud of everything the dynasty did and um you know i think as far as individuals we're not done reaching our peaks you know so when you ask was it one of the most underrated things in professional wrestling i humbly think so um i think anyone who was a fan of mlw of the time you know and watched everything we did um has very fond memories of it and it still gets talked about so it's it's one of those things where the segments we did, the matches we did, I think they're going to stand the test of time. Well, yeah, it was obviously, you know, I feel like in AEW, it was, it was very much tried, it tried to be recreated and it just didn't have, you know, the, the other, di the dynamic that you three shared, I think was something unique. It's kind of like yeah. a, a, a band, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, when lightning strikes, and, you know, sometimes you don't know in the moment, but you definitely know it at some point. Right. Yes. So um, I guess I guess do you ever envision yourself recreating that with the well, hold on a second. Let's just stay in the present because you still got a match and you still got to. I mean, honestly, it's like this could be the biggest match of your life happening on Thanksgiving. There's no way that you're going to resort to, you know underhanded tactics 
even though even though that that, yeah. that that's been happening to you i mean come no, on let's it, be it, real hammer no it's it's like i said if I'm going to try to control this match the way I control the match. But like I said, if he wants to take it up a notch, I will take it up too. If he wants to kick me in the dick, I'll kick him in the dick twice. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, you know, he's proven that he's willing to do anything and everything to win this championship. You know, I want to come out of this match um, looking, presenting myself like a champion and uh, – holding up the integrity of how I think a champion is supposed to wrestle. But that oh, being I mean, said, but, 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 you know, hammer, hey, 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 okay. I will okay. say that being said, at the end of the day, the priority overall is walking out a champion. And if that means I have to stoop to his level and play his game, then by all, by all means. Okay. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for as a fan. Cause you know, you've worked your way up. You're now the heavyweight champion. Here's this guy for an occasion. He's turning his back, stabbing you in the back. And I know you're acting reserved now, but I know that there's in deep inside of you, you got to be burning. You got to be really wanting to take his faith and just rip it apart. <laughs> I, I will say this. As, as calm as I'm trying to present myself, we have wrestled once before. Um... And as soon as that bell rang, I saw Brad and I went with him. I went at him with every bit of fury and wrath I had flown through my veins. And as much as I can sit here and talk game plan and talk strategy and, and talk all that, it, it, it does become another story when you get in that ring, especially with someone who's trying to get under your skin with someone who's trying to piss you off. So <sighs> We could sit here and act like we're planning for how we're going to play chess, but it's that's not what this is. A fight is a fight, and um, I, I uh, I'm just hoping when that rage kicks in, when that anger kicks in, and I fall back on whatever programming I have, that carries me through to the to the victor. Head over to MLW2300.com. You can get all your stuff there. Make sure you go to Pro Wrestling TV to get all your MLW past episodes, current episodes. It's free. Go there. Make sure. And let's not forget, uh, if you make it through Thanksgiving, which I'm sure you will. I mean, I'm not doubting it. You still have uh, January 7th in Philly with Dragon Gate. I'm excited for that one, by the way. Uh, Lars, you, Lars is pumped for Thanksgiving. I'm ready for January 7th for you. So, uh, you got a lot going on. I'm glad that you took a few minutes from training to smoke your cigar, to talk to us, because it looks like as the champs, champs is kicking back. You know, this is like the great white hype movie. Well, see, but, but you know what? See, I, I feel like he's, 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 he's in that psychological battle right now. That's kind of what I'm picking up. <laughs> You know what I mean? He's pulling all that strength. He mentioned his father and his father's battle. He, he mentioned that golden nugget that his father laid upon his uh, upon his foot and he picked up and applied to his life. So to me, I'm not counting him out. I bet you he's going to come in there like a house on fire. I'm I just mean, saying. He, he's got the rancid rub now. So that's what, that's what we're calling I mean, it. Oh, that, that's wait that's like a that's got to be a submission or something he's got him in the ransom room oh my gosh i thought i thought you only got that from a from a cheap hooker dirty swimming pool <laughs> oh you got the rancid rub oh you gotta go see the doc 
uh, Alex, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on all the social medias uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Hammerstone on Facebook as Alexander Hammerstone. I do do my best to get back to people to interact. Um, so by all means, if, if you want to drop me a note, I'll do my best to get back to you. Uh, you can get a note from the champ. It's like a free cameo. Wait, do you do cameos? <laughs> I, I, I do not do cameos. Oh, you're missing out. Get that uh, <laughs> get that cameo money. Listen, I got, I, I got to. <laughs> For everybody at home, the show is over. We'll say your goodbyes off the air. Alex, the champ, thank you so much for hanging out with Lars and myself. Lars, are you doing any Thanksgiving whatnots? Uh, I'm going to do one this Saturday after Thanksgiving. I'm going to get uh, invade my uh, record collection, pull out a lot of my doubles, a lot of rancid stuff that I've kept over the years. I'm just just trying to clear out and make the make space. You know, I got too much stuff. As you can see, I got a room full of wrestling stuff. You know what I mean? It's just everywhere. So this I, you know, I've I've had a bunch of this stuff my whole life, and now I get to display it, you know, because I finally got the shelves that were promised me three years ago for Christmas. So, but yeah, so I got a whatnot show coming Saturday, this Saturday after after Thanksgiving. Alexander, I know that uh, you never miss an episode of the Wrestling Perspective podcast. I know you watch all the time as soon as they come out. Uh, it just, but for the people at home, Lars goes on whatnot. You can get the uh, link wherever Lars is on social media and he sells all of his stuff. And it's, I've, I popped in a few times I watched, I love it because he's interacting with people. There's like a little bidding in the window. You can bid on it as it's like all lifetime. It is actually, so I, I know, you know, all this Alex, but I'm just saying oh. this for the people at home. It's fun. And even if you don't go to buy something, which you should go buy something as kids need to go to college, go for the show that that in itself is worth the few minutes to go watch. So is that yeah, help me pay for the pyro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Make sure you go check us out on fight TV. If you watch on YouTube, subscribe, tell a friend we're on all the audio shit. Just go listen or subscribe. I don't give a fuck anymore. Just thanks for watching. That's it. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Enjoy. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.